Welcome back to Tell Me About It. I'm Jade Iovine, and on this show, we get it all out in the open. Our mistakes, the lessons we learned the hard way, our insecurities, most epic face plants, and everything in between to hopefully remind us all that even the women we've deemed perfect also have lives that are far from. So today I have to start with some sad news. We're taking a two-week break starting next week. But the good news is we'll be back Tuesday, May 4th with an unbelievable episode with Laura Wasser. It's truly incredible. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So while we're apart, let's definitely text or leave me a voicemail so we don't have to miss each other too much. The number is on my Instagram bio and will be in the show notes of this episode. But just to remind you, it's 415-849-0299. Today I have a very honest and very enlightening conversation with Allie Webb and I'm extremely excited for you guys to hear it. You probably know Allie's name if you frequented Dry Bar as much as I have, but since she launched that genius business in 2010, she's been very busy, to say the least. In our conversation, we talked about how Allie struggled for years in her 20s to try to figure out exactly what she wanted to do with her life, which I think a lot of us can relate to, when it looked like everyone else she knew had figured it all out. We talked about the beauty of a pivot and how sometimes trying the wrong thing, even a whole bunch of times, can lead you to the right thing. We discussed the difference between your 20s and 30s and went into incredible detail about Allie's divorce, the toll it took on her self-esteem and mental health, and how she miraculously came out on the other side with not only a new fiancé, but an ex-husband who continues to be her business partner and amicable co-parent. I told Allie she should be the poster child of divorce because she really went through it. And all the wisdom she has from that experience is just fascinating and empowering. But first things first, let me tell you a little more about her. Allie Webb is a New York Times bestselling author, co-founder of Drybar, and her brand new venture, which I am definitely going to use soon, Squeeze, which is poised to be the Drybar of massage. After spending 15 years as a professional hairstylist, Allie left the hair industry to start a family. But after being a stay-at-home mom for five years, she decided to find a way to continue pursuing the creative side of hairstyling at a new mom pace. She began offering affordable in-home blowout services to her mommy friends, which quickly expanded into a mobile operation. In 2010, Allie opened the first dry bar in Los Angeles, California. Well, Brentwood to be specific. Now with over 150 locations across the U.S., Drybar has exploded into a nationally recognized and highly sought-after brand recently selling their popular hair product division to Helen of Troy for $255 million. Allie also hosts a popular podcast called Raising the Bar with her fiancé and executive coach Adrian Kohler, giving a glimpse into the inner worlds of entrepreneurs. In 2019, Allie opened the doors to her next business venture, Squeeze, an innovative massage concept whose first location is set in Los Angeles. Lucky for me. So get your vaccine and go get a massage. Most recently, Allie joined forces with Meredith Quill to build yet another new brand called Beckett & Quill, jewelry that's high-end, not high-spend. Allie lives in Los Angeles with her fiancé Adrian and two teenage sons, who you'll hear all about in our conversation. So now that you've heard about her thousands of business ventures, here is Allie Webb. Hi, Allie. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. I love this pink sweater. Oh, thank you. I was feeling like I needed a little 
brightness today. So I know I call them like serotonin sweaters because like yeah. I wear like a bright sweater when I'm like feeling depressed and I'm like, this makes me feel so much yeah, better. I just felt like I needed a pop of color this morning. Yes. So here we are. So let's talk about two things. You had a birthday recently and an engagement. Yes. Things have been kind of crazy over here. Yes. So can you, I need, I need the story. You probably told the story 15,000 times, but. Oh no, it's, I love telling it. You know, we had been taught, we've been together about a year and a half and we'd been talking about getting married and we looked at rings and all of that stuff. But, you know, I didn't want to know much more than that. And I wanted it to be a surprise. So you knew it was like coming, but like, did it? I knew it was coming, but I didn't know like, you know, when. And so I actually had a weekend, like with my girlfriends planned. And I, that week he called my, all my three girlfriends that I went away with who are like my best friends, affectionately known as the bunny. And he was like, (laughs) he told them all that he wanted to propose to me that weekend. And we had, we had planned a night. We were just doing like a staycation. We stayed at this like new hotel in Silver Lake. And then we were going to have brunch the next morning. Paige, my very best friend, she had even sent a note around to the group saying, Hey guys, wear like something nice for our brunch so we can have our annual picture together. Again, at that point she knew, but I didn't, I I didn't put it together because we do do that. And we do like, like to have like a nice picture together. So no idea. But then that morning, it was Sunday morning. I was going to, I was trying to cancel and get out of the brunch because I wanted to go. <laughs> of course. I was like, Hey, I really want to go. I don't know if you're familiar with the LA flower truck, but yes. I always go on Sundays and get flowers for the yes. weekend. Like I really enjoy doing that. And I love putting arrangements together. It's like my, it's like my, my little Zen so you're hobby. Like, Screw brunch. I I, yeah. And I was like, you guys, we've been together for like the last 24 hours. I want to really want to go. It's only between like nine and 11. Yeah. We had a brunch reservation at 10. I was like, so oh I'm going to bail. Oh. And they're like, no, you can't. And I was like, why? I'm like, I, we've been together. And I was texting Adrian oh, and I was yeah. like, Adrian, I, I really want to go to the flower mart. I'm trying to get out of brunch. And he, and I was like, unless you would just go and get flowers for me. And he's like, yeah, babe, I'll totally go. Yeah. And it was just very much like him. He's so like, he's right. so sweet, generous like that. So I was like, okay. So we get to the brunch, we're sitting down and then they all ordered like cocktails at like 11, 10 right. in the morning, whatever. And I was like, what? And like, I was like, I'm just going to have an Americano and like, whatever. And so we ordered food. And as soon as the food came, Paige looked at me and she handed me a card, which was on Adrian's like personal stationery. And I recognized that. And I was like, what's happening? Why are you giving me stationery from Adrian. And so my heart started beating fast and there was this really sweet note. And then my other friend, Sarah handed me another note and my friend Lauren handed me another note. And so I'm reading these, like not, you know, when you read something, but you do not comprehend it. And I was like, cause my heart was beating so fast. And I was like, something is up. And then as soon as I read the, the last card, he walked in and I was like, what are you doing here? And he had the ring in his hand. The first thing he said, which I don't think the video caught and I didn't even really hear, was like, he said, you're mine and this is yours. And then he Aww. got down on one knee and said, you know, will you marry me? And it, but it was such a blur because I was so good. And even in the, I think in the video you can hear, I'm like, where are the kids? Like, it was just so like, I couldn't like comprehend what was going on because I knew he had the kids and it was really awesome. That is so sweet. So then did he stay for lunch after and you guys like did your thing or did you go like straight home? We, the food was there so we ate a little bit but I couldn't eat like because I was so so amped up yeah and but we sat there for a few minutes and you know it was I have to say it was really lovely because 
you know, to propose to me in front of like my, all of my best friends was so nice because, you know, they were able to not only witness it, but they videotaped it and took pictures. Right. And that was really nice. Yeah, to like have. be a and, part of it. So and sweet. the scenery was so pretty. It was just like perfect. Like he couldn't have done it any better. And oh. I was like just over the moon. So, I love yeah. an engagement story. I love I that story. It's so good. It's so good. So that's like your happy ending, like where you are right now. But let's go back in time. I'm going to make you suffer through your past, you know, and really dissect it. But I like to start talking about your 20s because like your 20s are just a shit show. They're hard. Totally. You're just comparing yourself to other people, thinking that everyone has it more together than you. And you are the epitome of success. You know, like you've had such incredible things happen in your life and you've created such incredible things. But I didn't realize that you started Dry Bar in 2010. Yes. So tell me about what you were like when you were 25. What was your life like? Who are you? So, you know, like I was going to say, like a true 20 year old, you know, I was all over the place. But, you know, I was really lost for a long time. You know, mm -hmm. spent, like even out of high school, you know, my friends were like, going to college at like most people did and they had ideas about what they wanted to do with their lives and I really didn't and mm -hmm. my parents had their own clothing stores I loved like fashion I loved New York like I wanted to have that kind of life I thought I didn't know you yeah. know and I was so and I did not like school yeah. so I was like I don't really want to go to college and I so I ended up moving to New York City when I was like 18. I think I went to like I mean, I did, I think. I went to Florida State for like a hot second. You're I never like, went I think to class. I might have gone. No, I did. I did. It was such a blur of a time, though, because it was such a short amount of time. Like a lot of my friends, because I grew up in South Florida in Boca Raton, a lot of my friends went to Florida State and UF. And yes. so I was like, okay, I'll just go there. My brother had gone to, to Tallahassee. And so I was like, I'll just go and do that. And I don't even, I didn't really go to class. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't want to. I wasn't interested in anything. And so I was like, this is, it was more just like, let me experience like college. Like this looks, seems like fun. And so I did that for a, like the first year out of high school. And it was like, not what I wanted to be doing. And I didn't like it. And so after that, I was really struggling with what am I going to do now? And I, the only thing that like I could think of that I really was interested in exploring, I guess, was was New York City. I loved New York. As a kid, my parents took us a lot and we went to like Broadway shows. And I remember being in the city and, and now I see it when I've been in the city with my boys. It's like it's really electric. And when you, you know, when you've lived in like suburban and then you go to New York City, you're like, holy shit. It's very like, different. This than is Boca. amazing. Yeah. Very different than Boca. <laughs> And I totally fell in love with it. So I was like, I'm going to move to New York. And my parents were like, what are you going to do in New York? And I was like, I'm just, I don't know. I'll figure it out. And I, and I really did. And I had like a handful of friends there who went to NYU from, from high school. And so I, I went to New York and it was really like exactly how you would imagine it to be in terms of like, I lived in like the teeniest apartment. I, I was like, you know, eating ramen. I had no money. I mean, my parents helped pay for my apartment, but they were like, you're going to have to work, you know, we're not going to just pay for everything. And so I was like, but I loved it. This is back when like rollerblading was a thing. Like I'd rollerblade all over the city with like my headphones on and my felt like I was in a movie. My, my, you know, my poor mother, like, you know, and now I understand that because my, 
my 16 year old son is so much like I was and he's, he just wants to be out. You get it right back, right? Totally get it back. Although my son is like planning a European vacation and he's 16 and I'm like, (laughs) with you um, or without you? No, with his friends. I'm like, I mean, he's really independent, but, and so was I. And so, you know, I, I was living in New York and I loved it. I didn't care that I was living in like a teeny tiny place in like a twin bed with like three other girls. And, but I loved it. And so I did that for a while. And then I worked for Cynthia Raleigh, who was like a big designer at the time. Yes. And, and Nicole Miller. And then I moved when I was working for Nicole Miller. My brother was also my brother, Michael Landau, who's my business partner in yes. Drybar. He was living in New, York, in New York, too. And he was working for Nicole Miller corporate. And I was working for Nicole Miller in the Soho store, which okay. sadly isn't there anymore. And we decided to go back to South Florida to open up Nicole Miller boutiques in Boca. Okay. So did he have the job before and like, he did. Okay. He helped me get the job in the Soho store. I was like the assistant manager. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as we were both living in New York and like, it was super fun. And then we decided to go back. It was kind of Michael's idea. Like, let's go back and open up. And he's like, you can run the stores. And so I did that. And that was like at the ripe age of like 20, two, maybe 21. So you knew like Um, hair, you wanted to be in hair in some capacity. No, that was just retail. That was like fashion. Okay. Yeah. And so at that point I thought that's what I wanted to do, like be in fashion because my parents did and I liked fashion and I thought that's what, but I was like, after doing that for a little while, I was like, Oh, this is not good. And Michael and I were fighting a lot and we were, we were much younger. And so I was like, this is not what I want to do with the rest of my life. Because, you know, like I said, at like 21, I was like managing two retail locations and I was just was like, this is not what I want to do. And, and so I went to my brother, it was like one of those really hard decisions. I went to my brother and I was like, Mike, I don't think I want to do this anymore. I think I want to go to beauty school because I wanted to pursue hair. And, you know, growing up in, in Boca Raton, Florida, where it's like humid city, my my naturally yes. curly hair was like frizzed out. Oh my! I went to University of Miami, and oh yeah. Oh you my know. God! I have never been humbled by my hair so much. I was it's like, the worst because it's like there's shit. literally moisture in there's the no air. There's no point and, in doing your hair because like what the how you leave and how you will come home are completely different. I like know. it's a disaster. I've I've given so many like you know, tips and tricks and magazines and things over the last 10 years about, I'm like, listen, do a Mai Tai, go like yes. embrace the frizz because you're going to have, there's no way when she, you know, literally it's water in your hair, totally. you know, it's like, there's no way. So, so my whole, like my whole like childhood, I mean, I used to beg my mom to blow out my hair. I was always really obsessed with trying to figure out how to get my frizzy curly hair straight. And right. it was like a losing battle in South Florida, which is why I now live yes. in LA and I don't think I'll live anywhere else. LA is good for the hair. LA is great for the hair. <laughs> it it's is. so good. I find New York to be great for the hair also though. The water does something nice. It is. And I don't know what that is either. Me but neither. It is, it is true. <laughs> the bagels and the hair. It's good for whatever that water is. Are you in LA or New York? I'm in LA. You are. You are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like I just, I feel like this is like, once I finally moved here, I was like, this is, yeah, this is it for this me. This is you it, know? yes. Yeah. So anyways, we were, you know, I decided to like leave that relationship with my brother and he was like, couldn't have been more supportive, even more so than my parents were. My parents were like, you want to go to beauty school? Right. And I, you know, and they didn't see like my vision for it. And my, my vision at the time was that I would go to beauty school and then I'd move back to New York and do hair and do like fashion shows yeah. and editorial. And that's really th- what I thought I would do. So I went to Boca Raton Beauty School with yes. nothing fancy. Oh gosh. <laughs> and then, oh, and I worked, for, I worked for this guy, John Peters, who had 
a salon. He was like my best friend's dad. Okay. You know, he had a salon and, yeah. and so I worked for him and he was amazing and he taught me like everything I know about hair. And he also inadvertently, which I wasn't paying attention to because he was the owner of the salon. I learned by just observing, watching him deal with clients and deal with the staff and all of that. And so I, I know that that ended up being something that came really in handy to me later, but I, which at the time I wasn't even like paying attention yeah, to. Yeah. Like consciously. Yeah. You weren't. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. And so I worked for him for a while and then he, he turned me on to this guy, John Sahag, who was like the hairdresser in New York at that time, 20 years ago, maybe even 25 years ago. He was like the pioneer of dry cutting. He was doing all the big celebrities and he was like the place that you went. And I was like, this is the only guy I'm going to work for. And, you know, I, I walked into his salon in New York city. Now I'm like all of like 25 or 26, got a job there, worked there for a while. And then realized like, I didn't want to do hair anymore and I wanted to do something else. And I had a couple of friends who were working in Rogers and Cowan and actually like in the music department, they, and they, there was a, an opening, ironically, I, I thought I wanted to go into fashion, but there was a, um, an opening in the music department and it was like clients like Paul McCartney and Janet yeah. Jackson and Faith Hill. And I was like, that sounds fun. Yeah. You're like, so, sweet. <laughs> so I got a job being an assistant there and that was like my first office job. So I was like, okay. I had a, had my own cubicle, which I thought was so cool. Cause I'd never worked in that kind of environment. And, and so I, you know, I learned how to write, write press releases and I used to get to go to cool concerts. And I thought like, that was the coolest job. And that's, that's when I met my now ex-husband Cam, who was in advertising in when I was working at that job. And then we moved, we, had, we got together, got married and then moved eventually to LA and I became a stay-at-home mom. And, and the rest is history. And the rest is kind of history because it was being a stay-at-home mom for five years that ultimately led me to start my own mobile blowout business because I felt like I needed to get out of the house and do something for myself. So yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the story. Yeah. So when you, I want to kind of like dissect those moments where like you went back from when you started working in music, were you like, all of my friends know what they want to do forever. And I don't like, I'm starting in this new industry. What yeah. did it feel like at that time? Did you feel like I have no fucking idea what I want to do? Yes, I didn't. And, but you know, I was always, and I, I, I feel like it was such a blessing in disguise. I mean, I think people yeah. were like my parents and people around me were like, what's Allie doing now? You know, it's like, she's so flaky and she is jumping around from thing to thing. And I was jumping around from thing to, to thing, but I was, I was really like following what was like exciting and fun to me, right. you know? And I think that like, again, it's like a big, the biggest piece of advice I give to people is like, follow what lights you up, like what gets you out of bed in the morning you know, and if it doesn't get you out of bed in the morning, you're not excited to do it, like do something else. Right. And that was kind of, you know, I, I don't think I could have articulated that back then, yeah. but I was doing that. You know, I was like, I don't really want, you know, I loved hair and I loved doing hair and I loved that I learned how to blow out my own curly hair and, yes. and, and I loved the industry, but I was like, I don't really want to, I don't want to do this for the rest yeah. of my life. And so I was like, I want to try something else. And like, you know, PR wasn't going to be it, but maybe it would have been it. You know, right. it was just another thing that I tried. And so, yes, I was like, I'm going to keep doing what makes me happy. And around that time, I also was like, you know, very eager to like meet my husband. Yeah. I really wanted to have babies. Like mm -hmm. I, then at that point I was like very, you know, one That's track. That's what you were like focused like, on. Yeah. yeah. And I'm pretty like, you know, 
a, like it's, it's a bad analogy, but like a dog with a bone. Like yeah. if there's something I want, totally. I cannot stop until I get it. And I'm kind of the same way. Yeah. Yeah. So it was cool. Like I, it can be a great quality and a, and a pretty shitty one. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It can be because sometimes you can obsessive yeah. and annoying, <laughs> yes. but if you ask anybody close to me, they know it's like anything that I get my heart set on for whatever reason just becomes a, like, I'm not stopping until I get it. And so that's really what what happened. And, and I, you know, I met Cam and how old were you when you met him? I, I guess I was like 25 or 20, I guess like 25. I think we got married when I was 27. I had my first son when I was 30. Oh, wow. Okay. So, you know, and I did not know who I was. I just knew I wanted babies and, yeah. and, and I loved, and I loved it, you know, and I stayed home for five years with my boys. And, and then after five years, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. This is not, this is not what I'm going to be doing either anymore. You know, it was like five years of like being a stay at home mom, which I thought, I thought maybe I would be like kind of like a PTA mom and I'd do all the stuff with the school and I'd be helping out and doing all that. And then I was like, where'd you live at that time? We lived in Santa Monica over by like that Whole Foods on on Santa Monica Boulevard. And I was in LA and I was like spending most of my life at the pump station, you know, (laughs) and I was like, I was happy as a clam for a while until I wasn't, you know, and then I was like, shit, I'm not like, I don't feel like I'm using my brain as much as I want to be. And I'm at the park all the time and I'm talking to toddlers all day. And I was like, yeah, I need something else. And that's, that's where I was like, I think I'm going to start a mobile blowout business because at that point in my life, I was really good at hair. And I had, you know, girlfriends in LA that were always asking me to blow out their hair. And so I was like, maybe I should start a business. And like the entrepreneurial like bug and this thing that I had grown up with had like kicked back in. And, yeah. and so I decided to start straight at home, which is my mobile business, which, you know, ultimately we turn into dry bar. Right. So I think it's interesting because like a lot of people, I'm 27. So a lot of people like my age and younger or whatever are so afraid of like what you called the flip flop. Like people are yeah. so afraid yeah. to start like in a new industry because they feel like there's no through line on my resume or there's no this or there's no that. And, and so I wonder like, you know, even when you were a stay at home mom, were you like, what does my resume look like? Were you like freaking out about like being hired? Like, what did that feel like? You know, I wasn't. And I think it was like, you know, I think, I guess just like my, my makeup of like, you know, I have, I've always had this, like things kind of work out the way they're supposed to. So, you know, I, and I know you're right because I feel like a lot of people, it's an interesting thing for me because it's like, I don't ever read anyone's resume that I'm hiring. Right. I mean, I will glance right. at it just like to they're get like an idea of like, yes. yeah, it's like, I'm like, I don't really care. Like I need to know, cause you can, first of all, you can fucking lie on a yeah, resume exactly. so easily. So I'm like, <laughs> exactly. I feel like resumes, I don't know. I, you know, but I, I understand them, but you know, and, and, but for me it was like, and even now, like when I hire people, it's like, I just want to have a conversation with them. I want to get a sense of them. And, you know, no matter what you're hiring somebody, you're taking a risk no matter what you read about them. And, you know, for me, I like to be, my favorite kind of people are people who are like, were recommended from somebody else. I trust because that is usually a good indication. They're vetted in that way. Yeah. But no, I didn't feel like that, you know, I never felt that pressure, but I know that that's something that really exists where people feel like they have to do this certain thing or be this, this way. Cause they've already started it or like, you know, that, and which is silly because like you probably learned so much from like your twenties are for you to be like, to find what you like and to find what you like, you have to like find a lot of things you don't like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And it's really the time, you know, it's like, this is, a, it's really the time I think to, to try all these different things. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know, experiment, try different jobs, like do something crazy, you know? And I think that because you do get, you know, as you get older and you get married and you have kids and responsibilities, it's, it's, it does become harder, you know, to take that leap of faith and like decide to leave your well-paid job to go start your own business. It's, you know, so I think it is a good time in your twenties to explore that and, and not, try not to feel the pressure because you, you can live, you know, in a, in a small apartment and you can save yeah. money and you don't need, you don't have the pressures and like of the obligations that you'll have when you're older. So right. it's the time. Yeah, it's sure. the, absolutely. Like, I just think you always think you're so old, you know, like when you're 25, you think this yeah. is the oldest I'll ever be when you're 20, you know? So like, you're just like, oh my God, it's too late to start over. But I think that's, what's so cool about you is like, you never had that it's too late for me. Or it's like, that's what's attributable to your success. Obviously that you're like, that you just didn't really look to the left and right of you. I feel like you just kept going forward. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, and even like when I think back to like, when we decided to start dry bar, I mean, it was like, like I said, my, I was feeling like I needed to do something for myself again. So I started the mobile business. And at that point, when I started straight at home, it was like perfect, you know, cause it gave me you know, so the opportunity to get out of the house, like be with adults for a couple hours, earn a little extra cash, do something I loved. Absolutely. And I I remember thinking like, man, this is so exactly what I need right now, you know, but then, you know, like evolution and growth, it it was like, oh, I'm, I'm getting really busy and I'm having to say no more than I'm saying yes. And so now what do I do? do I hire more people or like, you know, and that's when the idea for dry bar really started like percolating. And I was like, huh, maybe I should, open an actual shop where they come to me instead of me go to them. And that was like, that was it. That was the big idea, you know? And and, And what an idea it was (laughs) changed my life. I'll tell you what. Yeah. And, and that was, that was such a crazy thing. And then, you know, it's like, I remember it so well when, you know, we opened dry bar and people were like obsessed with it and going crazy and, and was getting all this press and I was doing all this TV stuff. And I was like, what just happened to my yeah. life? You know what I mean? It's yeah. like that, you know, and everything yes. changed. And, and I was like, and I loved it. And I was so excited. And how old were you at that time? We started dry bar when I was 30, I guess. Right. Well, uh, or 35, I, I'm 46 now. Yes. Yeah, so 35. Yeah. I started the mobile business when I was like, you know, probably like 33 ish. And so, yeah, I was, you know, I was 35 years old and, and I felt like, I mean, looking back, I don't think I was, but I think I was like relatively content with where my life was. You know, Cam, my ex-husband, he was a creative director at an advertising, a good advertising agency here in LA. And he had, you know, he was making good money. And I thought like, this was like a nice like little life. Yeah. And dry bar would be like a little Side bit hustle. additive to that. Yeah. yeah. You know, it would be like my little thing that right. I would like, I could run the shop, go pick up my kids from school and then come home and whatever. And I thought we really thought it would just be one shop before we opened oh, the one my shop God. And, then, and then we just, you know, obviously everything changed. Yes. So what do you remember? Like just back to your twenties really quickly, what do you remember being insecure about? And like the contrast of 20 to 30, what do you remember being insecure about in your thirties? And what do you remember being insecure about in your twenties? I think in my twenties, I was just not sure who I was. And right. I was like, I think I was more insecure about like, my image and mm-hmm. my like who I, know I the physically feeling. was right <laughs> yes, yes. you know I feel like I know so much more about my body now mm-hmm. which I know sounds weird no but it's like, it doesn't 
I mean, I know like, I know what things I can't eat that make right. me like bloated or, you know, puffy. And I know how I, I just know how to like take care of myself so much better than I ever did. I remember my mom saying to me that her thirties, like were, were really great years for her and her twenties were like really rocky. And, and then that, you know, I mean, for me, it was like, I don't look back at my twenties and think they're rocky. I, th- I think of them as being like all over the place and yeah, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Experimental. And then my thirties, I think was also a different kind of exploratory, you know, where I was becoming a businesswoman and that was an interesting and new place to be. You know, it was like, obviously I knew the hair industry and I had gone through what I'd gone through with my brother and that was not great. And so we, here we were talking about working together again. And, um, that was a little bit scary. And my parents were a little bit like, <laughs> like oh, really? Shit. Yeah. yeah. Cause we had always been super close our whole lives. And then we worked together at Nicole Miller and it almost like killed our friendship. Totally. And so here we were going to do it again. So my parents were like, are you sure it's a good idea? But it was, it, thank God you did. Thank God I did. And it was great because I really knew hair. So speaking of confidence, like I knew I knew how to make this business work, but I didn't know, I didn't have like the business, you know, acumen like my brother had. So, you know, so it was a really beautiful, like chocolate and peanut butter because he knew how to, he knew how to like do the back end of the stuff. And I knew how to make a salon be great because of my experience and my, my, you know, what I learned from my parents about customer service and all of that stuff. So, but I'll tell you what was towards the latter half of my thirties, because we had now started dry bar and very quickly we rate, we ended up raising money through private equity. And so we were like, I found myself sitting in in the room with like these really smart businessmen who'd gone, yeah, yeah, who'd gone to like Stanford and Harvard. And I was like, Hey, finish college, (laughs) you know, but, and so that was a really like daunting experience for me in the beginning. And I, you know, and I've told this story so many times, but I remember I would, I would text to my brother in board meetings and be like, and ask him a question. And he'd be like, you know, because I was afraid to ask it out loud. Right. And he would say, that's a good question. You should ask it. And it was like enough of those times where I finally was like, okay, I'm actually really smart and have really good things to offer here. I may not be like traditionally book smart and well-read the way those guys were, but I had something else. Absolutely. And I, finally realized that, you know, in my later half of my thirties. And like, then that's when I think I really honestly like came into my own as like a woman, as a person, Yeah, like found your voice. Yeah. 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 found like my sea legs, is yes. it, you know, it's like, I'm like, Hey, I'm, a, I'm really smart. Yes. <laughs> I didn't realize that yes. you know, because I wasn't, I wasn't like book smart. And I remember my parents used to say to me that you're, they used to tell me I was street smart. Yes. I've gotten that before. <laughs> yeah. And I, and you know, you're kind of, and I say that to my kids now too. Yeah. And they're kind of like, which is by oh. the way, a great kind of smart gets you yeah. far. You can go far being street smart. Agreed. Agreed. Okay. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. So what's like a piece of advice you would give to that 25 year old self? You know, I think I, I I probably, I don't, I feel like I worried a little bit, but, but I think it's probably along the lines of like, it's all going to work out great. Don't worry, you know, but I also wasn't like super worried about it. I mean, I, I, I do sometimes look back and think part of me feels like, God, I got so lucky that I, you know, we started this business and this whole thing happened and I did all the things that I did to get me to this point, which really it's not luck. No. Um, but it was like, 
had I not made the decision, it was a lot of like good decisions. Had I not made the decision to go to beauty school, dry bar would have never happened. You know, had I not met and married Cam, dry bar might not have happened, you know, because dry bar, so much of the success of dry bar is like equal parts of like, of course, my, my idea and my like baby and brainchild, but like the branding and the branding is so brilliant, you know, huge part of it. And like my brother's like, architect, um, friend, Josh Heitler, who had only at that point done like massive, you know, beautiful hotels and multi-million dollar homes. Like, and he, my brother was like, Hey, my, my little sister has this idea for a hair salon. Would you be interested in helping us? And he was. And so, so many things coming together. Right. So many things had to like go right to create that magic. Right. Right. Yeah. And now I, you know, I look at my life and I'm like, this is pretty awesome. You know, I'm, I feel incredibly, incredibly lucky and grateful that I, you know, that it all went down the way it did. And yeah. Kind of what I take away from your story and like, tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like you just didn't panic at any point. Like you kind of just like let it like, you know, kind of just went down the road that you were meant to go down and be like, okay, like now this is new and I'm trying this. And like, it just sounds like you didn't really like grab onto anything too tightly. Yeah. And it's such a good point because I do find myself now, I I love that, that whole, that, that whole idea of like, don't hold, you know, like having a tight grip on things, you know, which, which of course I still do sometimes in my life and have to like remind myself, like, just, just, just let it be like, let, let it happen. And I really try to remember that when like an opportunity or something that I really want isn't happening when I want it to happen. And I'm like annoyed about it. Then I have to like remind myself, you know what? It's all the way it's supposed to be. Yes. And, you know, and I think I've, I'm a little bit like woo-woo in that sense of like, I am you know, too. I mean, I'm, so yeah, the woo-woo, yeah. I, I, it resonates with me. I'm such a huge believer in like, you know, blessings in disguise and like, you may not get the thing that you think you want, but it's not really the thing that you want. Exactly. You just think it's the thing. I mean, it's like, I love all that shit, you know, and I, and I, and I believe in it, you know? Yeah, me too. I know. I'm such a sucker for that kind of stuff. Like I basically only read self-help books and books like that. It's like, it's, a pro- it's probably yeah. a problem, but I'm like the 27 year old version. So I'm like, what's meant for me is meant for me. And then I'm like, ah, <laughs> panicking on the well, other it's side. This, it's this like really delicate balance of like, I got to keep pushing and I got to keep trying. And then, you know, but I got it, but it's really amazing. I mean, I'm such a, like, I remember saying to my brother years ago when I, you know, I get get so many emails and so many things. And I'm like, I definitely went through a period, which I know you want to touch on the divorce, but like after my divorce, when I was like feeling really lost again and didn't have, like, wasn't in the day-to-day operations of dry bar the way I was. And now I wasn't going to this office that I shared with Cam. And so I was really lost and I was really like, shit, what am I doing with my life now? And I had to like do a bit of a reinvention. It's like, what do I, what do I want to do now? Like what gets me excited now? And I was really, really struggled with that for like probably a good year where I was like, what, what is next? Like, what am I excited about doing next? And it took me a long time to, to refigure that out again. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you like, what's something that knocked your confidence in the past five years? What would you say? Would you say your divorce or would you say something else? Well, Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was like confidence as much as it was like Cam and I had really struggled in our marriage for a long time. And and I met him when I was like 26 years old. And and I I think the person you are when you're 26 compared to the person you are when you're like 30 or 40 is quite different. And, you know, I was a kid when I met him and I, and I was, again, like I mentioned, I was very like 
I want to meet the guy. Yeah. I want to have the babies. And Cam was like perfect. You know, he was, he, and he is, he's a, he's an amazing dad. He's so sweet. He's, you know, he's brilliant. Like he's, he's the package. And I remember thinking that like, this guy is amazing. Mm-hmm. Why does it not work mm-hmm. for us? You know? And, mm-hmm. and it didn't. And there was a lot, you know, was, I'm actually writing like, a, like an autobiography about my Ooh. life right now. And, which is like you mentioned in the beginning, you're like, oh, you might, I'm going to, you know, dredge you back through your 20s. Yes. And it is it is like it's funny. Like I want to sit and say, like, I really enjoyed this process. Like I am not enjoying it. I am not enjoying yeah. going back through so many parts of my life. It's hard. Um, it's like intensive therapy. Oh, and, and I'm also like, I want to be really cognizant of his feelings. So what really like knocked me on my ass was like. So we decided to get divorced and separate. And like I said, I was sharing an office with him and I was like on the tail end of like, you know, I was just like kind of slowly separating myself in a lot of ways from driver. We had hired a lot of really amazing people. I just wasn't in the day to day the way I was at one point. And so when, when the divorce went down and we were sharing a creative office, it was like, I couldn't go, I couldn't go there anymore. There's no way. And, and, and the office was predominantly like his creative team. So and I didn't really need to be in an office anymore. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I don't go there anymore. So where do I go during the day? Like nowhere. And so, and I was like, you know, I would take meetings and have lunches and do the things that I do. That's what I would normally do. But then I just, I just sunk into this really crazy depression. And yeah, it was the first time I was able to understand, like, you know, I had friends, we all have like friends who like have depression and you're like, I can't you just like tell yourself it's all going to be okay (laughs) and like get out the door. Yeah. And, and so I was like, Oh, they tell you to take a walk. My favorite. Yeah. It's like, it's like, Holy shit. There's no, there's like, you have no control over this. And I, and I had never experienced that in my life. And then I was like, didn't, couldn't get out of bed in the morning, was crying a lot, you know, had so much anxiety, which also had a lot to do with like my kids and feeling really stressed about them, but almost like not wanting to deal with it. Yeah. And it was just horrendous. And, and also, you know, going from being with this guy for 16 years, you'll appreciate this. I, a couple months into like this depression, I had gone to this place on site, which is kind of, um, you've heard of what's the one in, in California. It's basically like a treatment center where you go for like seven days. You don't, you, they take your phone. It's like intensive treatment. And, and there it's so, it's so amazing. It's right outside Nashville. It's in this beautiful place. But I had, I had done that. I was trying to do everything I could to like get better yes. and heal myself. And, yes. and I couldn't understand what was going on with me because I was like, I wanted this divorce. I wanted to be on my own. Why am I so sad? What the fuck is happening? I couldn't wrap my head around it. And, and I, I met this guy, I was on a talk show when I like finally got myself out of the trenches a little and was like being around people again. Cause I, I also went through a phase where like, if I met you on the street, and I started talking to you, I would cry, even Aww. if I had just met you. I mean, it was, yeah, I was like, a, just like a mess. Yes. A mess. And so I met this guy and he had written this book called Energy Speaks, which I feel okay. like you would love. Yeah. Based on I need to read it. Yes. And he said to me, we had this like five minute conversation. And he said to me, you again, because I was just like an open book spilling my my guts to anybody who would listen. And he said to me, you may not be in love with your husband anymore and you may not want to be married to him anymore, but you can't deny that he held space in your life that nobody holds now. And that Mm -hmm. is a death. Oh, I have the chills. And I was like, 
but he's not dead. Yeah. You know, because a lot of people had said that to me and he was like, but he held that space and nobody's holding that space for you now. So you're having to like refigure out how to like manage that, this massive hole. And I was like, oh my God, you're right. Yes. You know, and, and, I, and that's when I think, and that's when I, it's like, you know, you've heard that you've heard what we resist persists, yes. you know? Yes. And I was like, I have been resisting this for a year. Right. Like resisting grieving. Yes. Because yeah. I was like, I, people would tell me all the time, like this, you know, a divorce is a, is a massive loss and you're grieving. I was like, nope, I'm yeah. going to date and I'm going to do this. And I'm yes. like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. And, and people did. And now I understand. And I have, I actually, I have a couple of girlfriends going through divorce right now. And I'm like, girl, it's going to be a year. Yeah. Hang on tight. It's yeah. going to suck. It's just going to fucking I've heard suck. that before that it like sucks for a year. Like it's it, it it's, it's weird that I don't know why it's like a year but and, I know. And, and sure enough after a year I was like I had actually gotten to because I was during that year period I was like really trying to like meet somebody new and I was like oh, I don't really like being alone. I want to be with somebody. So I was and like, you're like broken inside. Yeah. yeah. You're so fucking broken. And you're yeah. like, everybody on the outside is like, what are you doing? And I was like, what like, are no, you, you fine. know, it's fine. Everything's <laughs> fine. See it. Yeah. And so after it really, really was around the year mark that I was like, you know what? I don't need to meet somebody. I'm totally good on my own. I am happy. I am good. I like my life now. Right. And that's when I met Adrian. Yes. Yeah. That, isn't that just like, that's how it goes. It's so crazy. So let's yep. go back to the beginning. Can you walk? So you worked with your ex-husband extremely closely. Yeah. Can you walk me through like, do you remember the exact moment where you're like, I can't do this anymore or like it's over? Mm-hmm. Like, did you wrestle with it for months before or was it like a one and done moment? Well, I think I wrestled with it for years and years, years before and I yeah. just pushed it down and and so did he. You know, I mean there there were many times, many points and you know, I talk so much about this in the book. Like there's so many points where I was like I'm so unhappy, mm. but I I made this commitment and I made and I was very like hung up in the vows and the yeah. like commitment that I made that I didn't want. And I also had this like I don't want to be a divorced person. Like I was like I had this like stigma in my brain. We're afraid like, I'm of not like failure. Be... Yeah, yeah, it was a failure. It would be a huge failure. And I was like also like I that's back when I was like painting this picture of like, I had started this business that like mm-hmm. changed the world. And I had this, and I worked with my husband and he was the creative and we were this amazing team. And I was yeah. like, I didn't want to like, I didn't want to like tarnish that whole image. So like, you know, cause it was perfect. It was great. I loved it. I loved my story, yeah. you know? And I was like, there's no way I'm going to mess it up with a divorce. Like, right. No. And, 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 t- and then it was like, and so we, we, you know, we, we went to therapy a lot and I used to always when we would get in a fight, I would always say like, I want, I, we should get divorced. You know, I would say that like flippantly, like I didn't really mean it, which I, you know, I now understand was like me, like, you know, just that suppression that I was doing. And, and so years and years of that on and off, mm-hmm. and we would go to therapy and, and, you know, I still like love cam deeply. And I, and we're, we're still like, you know, after like two years, we're now we're in a really good place and we're still friends. And we always had this like really beautiful friendship. And every time we would get into a fight and we would get close to like thinking we were going to end things, you know, we always felt like we were glad we didn't. Yeah. Um, but there was a lot missing, you know, it was like, there was really no intimacy and I didn't, I didn't know any better really. And right. and so to answer your question, I, 
ironically was, this is back to like, everything happens for a reason. You know, I was, I was about to do a big, like, I was, I was like judging randomly judging Miss America. I was doing a couple of like big TV appearances. There was a lot going on with the business. And so I knew I was going to be traveling for like a week and a half. Mm -hmm. And I, because I knew I was going to be on TV, I was like, I wanted to like lose some weight and like feel a little better about myself. And so I did end up, I ended up losing about 10 pounds. I did this crazy diet and I lost a lot of weight. Yeah. And I was feeling like for the first time in a long time, because you know, I had two kids and whatever, I was feeling like really sexy and whatever, which was completely lost on Cam because Cam was like, we just didn't, we didn't really have much of that. And he just didn't even really look at me like that anymore. And so that was kind of like, but I got it, you know? And so I, I went on a trip and I found myself very like flirty with, uh, you know, some other men. Yeah. And I was like, cause you were like feeling hot and like, I was exactly. And I was like, Oh man, what am I doing? And I started to feel like this is not, I was almost like having like probably what you would consider an emotional affair. And I was like, (laughs) right shit, man, I can't do this. Yeah. Like I was like, I was not going to do that. You know, I was never, I was like not going to cheat. I want, I didn't want to like cross a line, even though I'd already ha- had crossed right. the line. And so I was on this trip and all this was happening. And I was like, I, you know, and I was like, everything is on my Instagram. And even, yes. you know, Cam said to me, like, what are you doing? Like, you're really flirty with this guy and blah, blah. And Interesting. So, I, so he like kind of knew. Yeah. And it was like the unraveling was starting and I got home from that trip and you know, and I remember like that night getting home, Cam being like, you know, you were really flirty and I could tell and like people were texting me like, what's Allie doing? And and I was like, yeah. And we, we took a walk that night and we were talking about it all. And I was like, no, you was just a friend and mm. blah, blah, blah. Like still trying to suppress still that. Still trying. Yeah. Yes. He said to me, maybe in the context of this whole big conversation we were having, he said like, maybe this isn't forever. Oh God. And I was like, it, it was like a moment where I felt like he had given me permission. Yeah. And like, you know, and he didn't, but that was what I heard. And I was like, he knows, he knows this isn't, this isn't. And I, I was like, and I know. And suddenly it's not living inside your head anymore. Suddenly it's exactly out. Yeah. Out. That's terrifying. Yeah, it was. But like liberating maybe also. But so freeing. Yeah. And so the next day I spent the whole day with my best friend Paige and I said, at her house and debating and deliberating it and talking to these other guys. I was like, what am I fucking doing? (laughs) And I remember leaving my house that morning and like kissing him goodbye. And I knew that was going to be the last time I kissed him. I knew it. And, and it was. And so (sighs) I got in my car. I have the chills all over. (laughs) Like that is like a, cause that's a crazy ass feeling. Like just knowing that. I knew it. Yeah. And I remember it like it was yesterday. And I remember because he was working. We had a, like a little like home gym and like in a guest house. And I remember like him walking out of the gym saying goodbye to me. And in my mind, my mind was fucking reeling. And I was like, but he didn't really know it. And so I, I remember like, I remember he was like sweaty and I kissed him and I was like, I, I knew it. I knew it. So I spent that day with my best friend Paige and I talked and like all day I spent at her house just like talking to her. And I, I called our therapist and I said, Hey, can we have like an emergency session? I need to come in tonight. Yeah. So I went, we went into our therapy and I told Cam, I was like, can we, can you meet me at Melissa's? We're going to go have therapy. And I think he thought we were going to like try to work things out. And the first thing I said to him was like, I don't think I can do this anymore. 
Like once it's over, it's, you know, in your head, it's once like, you know, yeah, you know. It, yeah. And he was initially very like, I'm really proud of you. Actually, that was the first thing he said. Wow. I'm really, I'm really proud of you because he knew how hard it was for me to, to do it, yeah. to make the decision, you know? Yes. And I think there's still, and now like, you know, two years later, it wasn't easy. A lot, it was a lot of like heartbreak on both our sides. It was very sad. And it was, you know, there's just so much there, but I think that he didn't want us to break up before our kids left like the house. And, right. and I felt like I don't want to be raising my children in a, in a like, re- like not loveless marriage, but like, you know, and it's funny because like my dad happens to be in town right now and, and he was telling, and he was spending some time with my 16 year old son yesterday. And he, my dad told me that Grant said, I've never seen my mom happier, you know, and for, for my kids to see like that kind of love, I think that's better than just staying together for the kids. Like I've never subscribed to that. And I think that like now my kids, like they see the way me and Adrian are with each other. And and I'm so glad that they witnessed that. Like, cause it is like, I'm, I'm so madly, deeply, passionately in love with him yeah that that's what my kids see and they and I want them to like that's the model I totally you know yeah like my parents got divorced when I was 16 and my oldest brother was 20 or no 22 so I'm like one of four so there were a lot of they so they theoretically waited till like everyone was out of the house I just am the last child so I was still in the house but god like they they could have gotten divorced like five years before that at least you know and it's just like you can sense so much as a child too. Like I knew that they were staying together for us, but I was like, why are we doing this? Like, it just kind of felt like this like facade. Yeah. It felt like a total facade. It felt like you're miserable together. Like it's awkward for me to watch you guys together. So I don't think there's any good age to do it with your, like to get divorced for your kids. You know what I mean? It's going to suck for like, no matter how you slice it, but I agree with you. It's kind of like, your kids get resentful that you stayed together for them, you know, and like that you didn't choose yourself. It's such a better lesson to show that like we can have two happy homes, you know? Yeah. And it's so, it's so beautiful now. I mean, it, again, there was two, like, well, there was like a year and a half where it was like pretty, pretty rough. Yeah. And now we're in such a good place. And now it, it is this like, you know, what, what Adrian give, gives to my boys is very different than what their dad does. And they're right. both amazing, you know, right. but it's like, you know, my, my mom always said, you know, I remember when my kids were little and I was worried about them, like being with the nanny or being with people. And they're like, listen, the more people that love your kids, the better, you know? And it's like, Adrian loves them. And he, and he's like, he offers something that Cam doesn't and vice versa. And it's, and it's so great. lucky. And, yeah, they're so lucky. And, and I think that that's, you know, that's, that's the most important thing. So, yeah. you know, it was a rough, rough, rough road, but you know, I'm, I'm glad that we all went through it and ended up where we are now. So you talked about like feeling really depressed, like at, was it shortly after or like a while after, was it like a year or well, it was like when we first got divorced, I was like, felt like I had been sprung and I was like, woohoo, I'm going to like go. And I was like, oh my God, I was like a maniac. And I was like, you know, I was like dating yeah. and going out with guys and my friends. And I was like, this is so awesome. And I'm so free and I'm never going to get married again. And I want to be like, and, and that lasted for, you know, maybe a month. Yeah. And then I was like, oh shit, this is, and then it was like the reality of like, 
being alone and then like, you know, being with my kids alone and, you know, the, the things that inevitably come up with kids. And, you know, at that time, Cam and I weren't on like as much of a speaking basis. And so it was kind of like, well, you're on your own. And now we, now we co-parent really well together. But at that time, you know, he, we just weren't communicating much. Yeah. So I was really on my own. And then it was just like stupid little shit. Like I had, you know, a husband for all these years. So it was like, shit around the house and just the, all of that. And yeah. I just felt, I, you know, in a way I loved the independence of it. And it was fun to have, like, I bought my own place and I had my own house and I could do whatever I wanted with it. And that there was things that were really cool, right. but then it was like, I was really lonely and yeah. sad and I missed having a partner and I missed having someone to share my life with. And you didn't regret the divorce. Like you just were like, I need a no. new partner. Like, I don't need to go back. To yes. that. Yeah. 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 No, it would, it didn't ever like occur to me like, oh, I should try to get back together with Cam. I mean, maybe I'm on some peripheral level where I felt like I didn't like being alone. I never felt like I was never going to go there again. I was, and I was, and I was really, I didn't want to confuse things ever. So I was never like, oh, um, let me like, let me be Text a little my bit ex. like, yeah, I was never like that. You know, yeah. I was just like, you just got to take this and you just have to like deal with it. And my parents also got divorced, mm-hmm. but not until we were much older. I think I was like, right after I got married, my parents got divorced and they, you know, they were in their like late fifties and the, you know, they never found love again. Right. And I think I was scared. That was also a little bit of like the catalyst for me leaving my marriage when I did. Cause I was like, what if like, I'm too old to meet anybody, which I don't think is true. You know, I think you can meet somebody at any age, but it is daunting when for you're like, sure. you know, I was like, I think I was 43, 44 when we got divorced. And I was like, I'm not like, a spring chicken. I have two children, you know, I'm, and, and then I also realized like, oh, I created this business and I have, you know, a life that like not everybody's comfortable with. And so then it was like, oh shit. Yeah. And I was like, so much more I, complicated. Nev- yeah. It was pretty yeah. complicated. And so it was all very daunting. And I just, you know, I had a really hard time managing through all of that and, and just, just became very depressed and couldn't get myself out of it. Had you while. ever been depressed before? Like it's never, never. come up in your life. So was it like the kind of depression, like in bed all day or like just like a fog? What was it like? What did it feel yeah, like? Yeah, it was like, it was, it was definitely a fog. And it was just like, I was just, I just felt like that, like pit of my stomach sadness that I, of course, like, you know, sometimes you get sad when something happens and then you kind of bounce back, Yes, you know, but it was just like, it wouldn't go away. And I, I did have a hard, a hard time getting out of bed. I cried a lot. You know, I was just like you know, I really like anybody, any of my friends who would like listen to me, I would just cry to them. Yeah. I had a lot of like anxiety. I remember like, you know, it's so weird. I remember like I had a lot of like anxiety in my legs, which is like weird, you know, how anxiety shows up in weird places. And I just, yeah, it was, and it was really, that part was really hard. I think on my children, it was like them seeing me so sad all the time. They were like, what the fuck is wrong with mom? So what did it take for that to get better? Like, was it therapy and medication or what? I, you know, I actually tried going on like an antidepressant yeah. once and it, it gave me so much more anxiety than really? I've ever had. And I was like, oh, fuck this. I'm not doing this. Yeah. And it's so, so hard to find the right like antidepressant. Yeah. It's, it's impossible. Yeah. And then, you know, I was just doing all the things. I started doing transcendental meditation. Yes. Someone told me about like the David Lynch foundation. Did you go? Yes, yeah. I did it there. Yeah. And that was amazing. And I, we had had an infrared sauna in our house and I, I took it when we moved and you got that in the divorce. That's really yeah. good. 
That's and really- I, I was doing like, you know, that all the time. I was walking all the time. Yeah. At the time I lived in Laurel Canyon, so I was in the hills and I was walking and, you know, I was doing therapy like twice a week. I mean, I was just doing all the things. Right. And I think it was time more than anything. It was like eventually like just starting to heal and it was just a slow process there was no magic bullet right although i wanted a magic bullet yeah and i remember bet. going to on-site and being like okay i need to get yeah. fixed you yeah. know fix me and they're like yeah it doesn't work like that <laughs> right. you know they're like you you have to just go and and actually like i was so lucky and i mean to talk about such a like this was so crazy i I ended up like Instagramming with Brene Brown during oh, this time. My idol. I know. Yes. I know. And she would text me like, the only way through is through and you just have to go fucking through it. Yeah. Talk about the friend you want to make in going through a divorce. I mean, it Jesus. was like divine intervention. Yes. I mean, the fact that we became friends. So like, what did your first marriage kind of teach you about what you wanted to find in your next marriage? Like what were some of the red flags that you might've ignored or the feelings that you wanted or, you know, the relationship factors that you wanted that you didn't have before? Well, what's, what's so interesting now, you know, it's like, again, talk about feeling lucky. I mean, you know, Adrian is so, he's like the most evolved, like probably human I've ever met. And he's really been through it and it's great. And we talk about everything. Yeah. Like nothing goes swept under the rug. Like it just doesn't happen with us. And that is, that is probably the biggest difference because, you know, Adrian will say things to me like, you know, he's like, babe, I'm sure at some point in our well, now, you know, we're going to, we're getting married yes. next year. He'll be like, he'll be like, I'm sure you're going to be like attracted to somebody else. And that's okay. You know? Wow. And it's like, I'm like, what? Yeah. And he's like, of, co- of course, you're going to be at some point attracted to somebody else. He's like, but we should talk about it. Right. You know? And I'm like, we should talk about it. Yeah. What? And he's like, yeah, because if like, if something comes up where there's like, you, you know, you're working with somebody or somebody like, you know, piques your interest, like, tell me yeah. so we can talk about it. So we can like, you know, cause he's like, if, if that's happening, something's missing in our relationship that is causing you to like need that feeling or right. desire, or whatever it is from, for somebody else. And I'm like, Oh shit. I'm like, I don't really want to tell you if that <laughs> yeah. happens. And he's like, no, but you have to, if yeah. you want our marriage to work, you know? Wow. And he's like, and he's right. And like that kind of like, he lives in you the know, truth. radical. Yeah. Truth of like, let's just like fucking deal with what's here instead of like trying to pretend it's not, which is really like the, um, how I, I imagine most marriages, why they unravel because you start having these like relationships and these feelings and things that you're not talking about, you know, I mean, and, and it's so interesting now because I did like, I did like look around a lot when I was married and I did like, I, well, I did find myself attracted to other men a lot, but I of course would never say right. anything, Oh my right, God. Rule know? number one. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So like you don't tell it. <laughs> yeah. But now I'm like, Oh, I would tell him. And, 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 you know, that hasn't happened yet. I mean, I, I'm so, I'm just so completely and utterly in love with him that it's like, I don't even, I, I can't imagine it happening, but it's nice to know that if it does happen and I can talk to him about it and we can like figure out how to get back on track. Totally. You know? and, and like, that's just so fucking freeing. Totally. That we're like two humans entering this relationship and we're going to have like other feelings and that there's room for yeah. that can be liberating. Yeah. Exactly. So with your last marriage, the intimacy, did that, was it always that way or did it change? Like, did it change when you started working together or like having kids or like, was it always kind of 
of course, like the first stage is always you're hot and heavy, but but beyond that. Yeah. I mean, we had that first hot and heavy stage for about six months. And after that, it really took a nosedive. Yeah. But, but the other stuff was so good. Yeah. The other stuff was so good. We had this beautiful friendship and all of that that I was like, no, no, it's good. Yeah. I didn't know any better, you know? And, and I think, and Cam definitely had a little bit of cold feet and Cam definitely felt a little worried about this, but I was like, no, 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 no. It's, yeah, fine. It's, it's fine. fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. And, and I was wrong, you know? And in, in obviously in some ways it was like, we probably shouldn't have gotten married. However, I can't, I don't look at it like that now because like, look at all the amazing, you know, our two like uh, amazing boys and yes. the business and the, all the things that came out of this that I, you know, wouldn't, ha- wouldn't do it any differently. But in retrospect, you know, it really wasn't, it was like after like six months, it yeah. really like that, that whole intimacy part of it had really kind of gone away. And then you just like, let that part of you die. You know, you're just kind of like, and, and what's crazy is like, I was like such a like non-affectionate person because that wasn't there for us. And I just was like, this is just how I am. Right. Like, I don't, I'm not that interested in any of that stuff. And it was like, it did die in me. And it wasn't until like that, the story I told you about, like, you know, when that week, yeah. that fateful week that I was like, oh my God, it's not dead. Yeah. It's still there. Yeah. You're it's like, just been buried. My you sex know? drive is alive and well. It's just like deep inside. Yes. And I was like, oh shit. Yes. You know, it was a major light bulb. I feel like that is so relatable. Like I feel like a lot of people, whether they're in a marriage or just like in a relationship can really relate to that. And now I realize that, but I was just blind to it all. Yeah. It's your first marriage. You know, it's like, what do you know? Like, as far as you know, no one has sex, you know, like, yeah. like when well, you hear that, exactly. too. I mean, you know, it's like you talk to enough of your girlfriends, you're like, they're like, nah, yeah, I'm not that interested in sex yes. anymore, you know? And it's like, now I'm like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> like this is what I, I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how long did it take you to get to that amicable place that you're in right now? Like, did it take therapy? Like, was it, is it for the sake of your kids or like what got you there? Yeah. Talk about a blessing in disguise. I mean, my older son, Grant, who's 16, right around the time that the divorce went down. And, and I do think the divorce had something to do with it, but also, you know, Grant started really struggling and he was like at that age, when he was like started, he was like 14, almost 15. He was starting to discover like pot and he lives in LA yes, and hello. it's like, you know, yeah, hello. And so <laughs> he was starting to experiment. And I think he was like having a lot of feelings about a lot of things that he wasn't talking about. And, and he was just like dealing with it by smoking pot. And so he started getting more and more going down this pretty bad path and it didn't really come to the light until me and Cam had, had broken up. Mm. And so we found ourselves having to like, Oh shit, our kids in trouble. And like, we've got to come together on this. Mm. Even if we don't want to talk, he was angry for a while and didn't really want to talk to me. And so it was like, this is our kid and he's in trouble and we have to deal with this. So Grant spent the last year in like treatment and he was like, he really had a really tough year dealing with like his own anxiety and stuff that we didn't even know was there. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's, he's doing great now. He's home now, but that year of him being away forced me and Cam to have to be on phone with therapists on the phone with him all the time. And so it helped bridge the gap. Yes. Like all the minutia, like who the fuck cares? You're just like, exactly. And we came, we had to come together for Grant. And so we did. And, and through that we had to do a therapy on our own and we had to do therapy with Grant. And so we had to like, 
And so I think it was like that really helped like kind of speed the process up yes. of us like being like, let's just like this, it's better for the kids. And I remember Cam saying to me once like, let's be, let's like be an example of like the best divorced parents we can be for mm-hmm. our kids, you know, mm-hmm. like it's really it's really mind blowing to me when I hear stories and I do, and I'm sure you do too, of like people who are like just such assholes oh to their my God. exes. Yes. And it's like when there's kids involved, it's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, yeah. Put your, put your kids in front of you. Yes. I see it a lot where, where parents are just being really selfish and, you know, they're, they're putting their kids in the middle and like, I just, it just makes me crazy. And like, I, I, you know, I mean, we do it for, you know, we are amicable for first and foremost for the kids, right. you know, and then secondarily, like for, for us and our own sanity, but, yes. but the kids first, you know, it's like people who put their kids in the middle of a divorce, like Ugh. I just can't, yeah. you know, that make drives me crazy. And I've seen it's it a kills, lot. I mean, it just kills the soul of like your kids, you know, like even it's, like the yeah. custody battles and all of that nonsense. Like it's already hard enough. Like, you know, there's all this change and everything. A lot of people I know who've gotten divorced is like, they're talking shit about their yes, ex. Yes. You know, they're not supporting for us. It's like, it took us a little while to get here. Yeah. And like, we're not saints, but now it's like, there's everything's the same at both of our houses in terms of what they can do and what they can't do and all of that. And we're communicating all the time. So there's no like playing each other. So your kids can't get away with, with murder. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And like my grand was just telling me about a friend of his who they're really like the, the, the mom complains to the kid about the dad. It's like, dude, what are you doing? Totally. You know, totally. So it's my, my kids tell me a lot of different things that they, they hear from their their friends oh, yeah. their friends tell them and I'm like oh so sad yeah you, know, like you just like, shouldn't know that how, how can you put your kid in that position you should never you ne- I never say anything bad about Cam you know we definitely like things got rough but we, it's it's like I never we never brought the kids into that yeah it's so weird because like my parents have been divorced for over 10 years now so I would you'd think it wouldn't bother me like if my mom would say a snide remark here and there about my dad or like you know just like natural like my parents really don't talk shit about each other which is I'm very lucky Amazing. in that way. You you can't. Like, it still upsets me. Like, I'm still like, oh, I no, bet. no, no. Like, you can't talk about, like, my dad or, like, my mom or whomever. You know, it just, like, mm-hmm. you get protective over that parent. And it's yep. it's a hard position to put your kids in if, like, you're constantly just... Because it's also, like, half of them. So it's a weird psychological mm-hmm. fuck because you're like, wait, do you hate half of me? You know? Like, yeah. it's weird. It's like a kid doesn't know how to process no, that. No. And, and they end up feeling, like, to your point, they have to protect one parent or the other. And that is just, you know, and, and, you know, and listen, like, like I said, I, you know, I definitely made some mistakes and I think like even my kids seeing me as sad as I was, was really hard on them. And I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't let them see that. I mean, of course, to the extent, but I wish they hadn't had to experience that, you know, but you know, yeah, yeah. it was, you live and you learn. You're surviving. Yeah. Yeah. What's something about single motherhood? Like how long were you single before you met Adrian? Like what's something about single motherhood that surprised you? Um, how hard it is, yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's really like when you've had a partner who like you're bouncing ideas off of and just somebody being a sounding board, even just someone like, Hey, my kid's doing this. Like, what do you think? Or like, I, you know, so I would say it's just making every decision on your own. And I, you know, and I think it's like, it's different when your kids are, are younger. Cause then, you know, when kids are younger, it's more like the like physicalness of it and that they always need you there. My kids are, are you know, we're much more, we're much older and more independent when we got divorced, but 
it's making those decisions alone and not having that person that like that one person that loves them and knows them as much as you do. You can ask your friends or your parents for help and whatever, but they don't know them like they do. And they don't have that interest like you do. And, you know, even though like I talked to Adrian about lots of things with my kids, I still, you know, there's still a lot of things that like just Cam and I talk about with our kids because he knows Kit and Grant better than anybody, right. just like I do. And nobody will ever know them the way he does or I do. And so having that, now I have that again with Cam and it's great. You know, it's it's when you lose that person, which is, again, imagine like a death, you know, it's like you just don't have that option anymore. And that's how it was initially with us. And now, you know, but now we, we co-parent really beautifully together. So it's great. Yeah, but- I love, like, it sounds like you have a great little like modern family. You know, it's like, it's so we nice. Do. And do Adrian and Cam get along? Great. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. I mean, they're nice. not like hanging out. Yeah. No, weekends, you don't need but... them to be like bros, yeah. you know? Like... But they're, they are, they're, yeah. they like each other. Yeah. That's amazing. So. How have you changed the most? Like from the beginning of your divorce, like from the moment, like, okay, we're going to get divorced to like now, how have you changed? Not always, but for the most part, I'm just, I feel like I'm a softer more generous, more likely to be like, okay, no problem versus like, you know, fighting, being a martyr for so many things. So I think that I like myself better now than I probably ever have before. That's wonderful. You should be the poster child of divorce. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, this is just like, should I get divorced? I'm not even married. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's so funny is I, I feel, you know, Adrian, Adrian and I actually met through a matchmaking company. It's I was going to ask how Roll. you met. No way. Yeah. And I'm actually, I think I've, beca- I mean, I've fucking totally become the poster child for that yes. company. Yes. And I mean, I, I literally was out the other night and I ran into some girl, girlfriends I hadn't seen since I got divorced and they, and they were like, how are you? What's going on? I was like, oh, everything's great. And this is Adrian, my yeah. fiance. And they're like, what? Your fiance? <laughs> what? Like the last time I saw you, you were just getting divorced. And I was like, yeah. oh no, I met him through this, you know, this company, the three day rule. And they're like, oh my God, sign me up. I mean, I am like a recruiter really? for this company now. I, oh, I mean, I it's bet. so funny. It's called yeah. the three date rule. The three day rule. Three day. Ironically, the first time Adrian texted me, I was on a date with another guy, oh, okay. not through the matchmaking yeah. service. And I didn't like, I texted him back like the next day. And then like, he called me and we had a, short conversation. And then like that later that night, he called me at like 10 o'clock on a Saturday night or Sunday night. And we talked until like five in the morning. Like we just could not get off the phone. And I I was leaving for a trip the next day. So then he picked me up. Our first date was him picking me up at the airport on like a Wednesday. And I'm signing everyone up for this. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like literally going to tell all my friends about this service. It's It's great. I know. I mean, I thought it was like, there was like a weird stigma and I didn't really want to tell yeah. people at first, but then I was like, why not? It's like, oh, let's no. get set up with someone. It's like no different than your best friend yes. setting you up with this really great guy that she met. Yes. It's like, yes, we'd be, we'd like the guys that aren't right for me out, you know? Oh my so God. And like delegate, like have someone else like yeah. help you yeah. out, you know, like Deal. that's yeah. incredible. Oh my God. I, I love so that so much. Okay. <laughs> this is the perfect place for us to take a quick break. So we will be right back. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up and we have our three final questions. What's a topic or concept you wish more women, either like just in general or like in your industry, were more open about? Like, what do you wish people would stop lying about? I, it might just be me and where I'm at. You know, I, I like this kind of conversation. Yeah. You know, I like talking about the undersurface of what's happening and how we feel, you know. I mean, and I'm guilty of it too. I mean, you know, I... 
I, I tend to just keep, you know, uh, for a large part of my career, I talked about just business stuff and, and I wouldn't talk about like the bad business stuff. I you know, you talk about, you want, cause you want people to, you want to like present this picture and whatever, you know? And I think that that's happening though. I think more women are talking about like the hardships of what they're going through of like being an entrepreneur or, you know, divorce and all of that. But that's the kind of stuff that I, I'm, I really, I really want people to be really genuine and authentic with what's happening with them versus showing us just the glossy side. Totally. You know? I'm with you. That's why I started this yeah. podcast. It's like 100%. Yeah, sounds like it's it. It's like enough yeah. small talk. Like, let's get to like, you know, we can relate so much more, you know what I mean? And learn from each other. Like, I can't learn from your perfect path, you know, like what's right. going to do, exactly. you know? It's just only going to make me feel badly about my own path, you know? Exactly. Because it's like no, nobody's nobody's got it all figured no. out. No one has all the answers. Like, no we're way. All, we're all struggling. Yes, exactly. And it's okay. Exactly. Yeah. So what's something that you're currently working on as far as yourself these days? We talked about therapy. We talked about self-help books. Like, what are you trying to work on right now? Being open to feedback a lot from my kids and from from Adrian, from people I work with, you know, to be like, con I think it's like a muscle that you have to constantly work definitely to, to keep it strong. Yes. <laughs> I have to like, remember, oh shit, don't, don't avoid stuff. I want to be like, don't be defensive when your kids tell you what they really think. Like ask a lot of questions. Like one of the, one of the great things I learned from Adrian, he's, he coaches like founders and he's, oh, amazing. You know, that's what he does for a living, which obviously works really well yes. for us. <laughs> It was a lot of it had to do with Graham, what he was going through. He's like, ask him a lot of questions, like get curious. And I think that's like the biggest thing is like staying curious. You know, I, I like Brian, most people can get into this, like, I know it, I've oh, got yeah. it except, you know, and then it's like, oh wait, no, 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 you don't know it. Ask right. questions, ask more questions, like ask your son's questions. And that is a big thing that I find myself constantly trying to remember yeah. and be. So I'm that person yes. instead of like. I know it all, you know? Yeah. Cause it's like a control thing. Like if you ask the question, Ugh. like you have no control over the answer and it might not be something you like. So it's just better to like assume. And if you think you're smart or you think you're intuitive, you're like, no, no, no. I actually know all the answers. Like you don't, but I actually, and it's easy to get like our <laughs> totally. egos can take a hold of us so easily. But I think it's also like control is probably another thing that I struggle with. It's like, yeah. I want you to control all the things all the time. And I struggle with that yes. a lot. So I'm, yeah. Yes. So what's something that people that follow you on Instagram would be surprised to know? I, I think, you know, one of the things that's maybe interesting, I just started this new jewelry company back yes. in Will, and it was basically like out of, I met this girl and she was designing her own jewelry. And I felt like I could really help like propel her to the next level be, with, you know, the right branding, like Cam right. is doing, did all the rebrand and, wow. and you know, yeah. So, so you still work really with fun. him like on new projects. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's totally. awesome. And lots of projects. Yeah. But I've tried to be really transparent with the fact that like, oh shit, this isn't super easy. And like the business is doing okay. It's like not doing as, it's not like going, it's not like gangbusters. And I'm trying, I want it to be, and I want it to be like really like crazy busy, but it's not yeah. yet. And I'm like, I'm trying to be really transparent, which is why I'm talking about now. You know, it's like, no, I'm just because like I've had this success and I do feel, I do feel a little bit of pressure to be like, oh, I should, anything I do should be amazing. Yes. But I'm, I'm not. I'm not like that business is not there yet, but I am really enjoying the process of learning how to make it great. I love that you say which that. Which I yeah. don't yet know. And so I'm trying to be pretty transparent with that whole experience that I'm going through I right now. I love that. 
I love because it would be so easy for people to like if you just told everyone it's the most successful business in the world we'd all believe you you know because like you yeah. created that yeah. before so I think that's cool because it's like you are starting over and it's probably not like starting over but it's like in this yeah, sense yeah and so it's yeah. it's exciting and hard you know yes okay so we are finished what's your Instagram handle what do you have you probably have a lot of stuff coming up what's your podcast called like tell the people all the things all the things. So my Instagram is just Ali Webb, A-L-L-I-W-E-B-B. That's kind of like my hub for all the things. So you can you can you can get over to Beckett and Quill, which is just at Beckett and Quill, one T. And we also have another brand that we launched about a year before COVID called Squeeze, which is a massage concept. You have no idea how excited I am about this. Yes. Well, it's in it's re we just reopened again. It's in so Sherman Oaks, right? It's in Studio City. Oh, Studio City, yeah. yes. Yeah. So that, and that business was like on fire before COVID. I mean, all five star um, reviews, it's, it's a massage concept, same founding team as dry bar. It's all you book your, you book, you pay, you tip everything on this app. It's a very customizable massage. It's amazing. I'm going to be your, your best customer. Like after this is over, like truly you have to go. I'm so excited. That's, you know, that's happening again. You can get to all of, and then of course, dry bar, you you can get to all of that on my Instagram. I have my podcast that I do with Adrian called raising the bar. We are with Dear Media. So that's, you know, where you can find us as well. Um, and then, you know, things that are coming up is like my book. And, yes. you know, I'm working on this book that I'm so excited. Know, Yes, it has been that I'm not. I've only like done the chapter outlines too. Okay, which I'm perfect. Like, oh, that's okay. Goodness. At least you've so, done that. At least you've gotten yeah. that far. You know, I'm also affiliated with a company called Pep Talk, which does these like 20 minute where you can like pay to talk to different business like advisors and oh, people cool. that have like been through it versus like Cameo where it's like celebrity driven. Yeah. This is more like, hey, I have a business and I have like, I'd love to pick your brain or love to have you talk about something that you went through. Oh, that's so cool. That's a new kind of emerging brand pep talk oh, that I'm that's working with. That, brilliant. That's super fun. You have your hands in a very exciting pots. And planning a wedding. Yes, no. yes, 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 <laughs> exactly. Bridal showers, the whole thing. How exciting. Well, thank you so, so much. I loved talking to you. Like, I learned Likewise. so much from you. So thank you for being oh, on. Thank you. Yeah, this was awesome. I love I love a real candid conversation like this. So thank you. Yes. Okay, good. I'm glad you liked it. Okay, good. Some people just don't want to go there. Exactly. And I don't know. Maybe I do say too much. Oh, but... my God. No, you are a dream podcast guest. Like, I love oh, this. Thank you. Thank you so much. I said it once and I'll say it again. She really should be the poster child of divorce. I love how real Allie is. And despite her gigantic success, she's always looking out for other women and making sure that we aren't fooled by Instagram or the facade of perfection. We need more women like her in our world. We really do. Okay, that's it for me for two weeks, but I'm already counting down the seconds until we're reunited on May 4th. If you happen to visit the show page while we're gone, I would be so grateful if you'd rate and subscribe to the podcast so we can keep growing. I'll see you back here in no time. I miss you. And as always, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening.